This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Once again, to our outdoor recording studio, just next to the back door at the BFI. It wouldn't quite be a recording here unless we referred to the smell, mm-hmm. which is actually not present at the moment. It's normally that latrinal smell, Adam. I think. Yeah, it's been over a year now since they blocked it off. I think the smell has finally dissipated. Yeah. Well, it's actually quite strange recording, talking about Doctor Who without the smell of wheat. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you speak for yourself, yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm joined once again by Adam. Hello, Adam. Hi there. How are you doing? Phil. Yes, hello. It's me again. <laughs> and Jean. Welcome to the DWP. Thank you very much. Hello. And Adam and Jean are from the popular audio podcast, <laughs> Staggering, Staggering Stories. There we go. There we go. Maybe. Wonderful. <laughs> I think we have one listener somewhere. Yeah. That's Keith, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have just seen on the big screen the 1965 William Hartnell story featuring Henry the Hoover, <laughs> lots of Henry the Hoovers, Galaxy 4. As, as we always do, let's talk about the story first of all, and then we'll touch on the animation. Jean, let's come to you first. Was that the first time you've seen or listened to Galaxy 4? I have seen the missing episode, and I've seen a a semi-telly, because there isn't that many telly scene snaps, but I've seen a a semi-pool together with some of the audio years ago. Mm. But that's the first time I've seen anything that's the full story in one go, other than probably when I was a few months old being chucked in front of it if I was awake at the time. And would you describe it as a rocket-paced story? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so much is happening. It, it, it could have... Nowadays, you would have done that in two episodes. It would have been a lot faster yeah, paced. There is a lot of uh, not running across corridors, but running across desert. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting story, but not very, very fast paced at all, even for this era. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Phil, what did you think? Uh, well, it's my first time, apart from seeing the missing episode, obviously, I've not seen any recons into the audio, so I've, I've come into this with a completely fresh fresh view um yeah i agree with gene it's not very fast paced is it endless scenes of chumblies <laughs> trundling across the studio floor i mean I, i'm i i'm glad they sort of kept all the original sound in there as well because it, it you i think it just adds to the uh to the whole <laughs> ambience of the, of the story really but yeah it's it's a very very slight plot really um yeah the animation was lovely it really was lovely but the actual plot itself yeah, it was so slight agree with Jean two episodes max really oh, I tend to agree Adam how about you yeah it's first time for me too apart from missing episode but it felt quite experimental in what they're trying to do with the, making the chumblies really alien like you can't communicate with them um, the aliens are properly alien and they made a point of being hideous to humans uh, that's good but yeah, it definitely, as was said in the interviews, it's done to a budget. They clearly had four episodes to fill, and not really quite enough story, but they've padded it out with the weird alien stuff. 
uh, you know. I think this is an interesting one, and it's the first time there's that concept of the pretty thing being the bad thing, and the, for our eyes, the ugly thing being the good thing. Mm, mm. It's that nice twist, you know, you've got the Amazonian women who originally were going to be men, um, being mm. basically the villains of the piece, whereas the bug-eyed monster being the enemy. And as much as Chumblies get flagged, they are a good design <laughs> in some extent, in that they're the first robot that actually seems to self-preservate. It, it squishes yes, down it and does. then can yeah, be yeah. impenetrable. You know, it, it, it's, it was an interesting design, and I think they were looking at trying to make them like the mechanoids before the new Daleks, but it... it no, they're, no, not, not, they're not menacing not enough. They're in the same league, are they? No, they're cute. <laughs> I don't think there was any chance of them really replacing the Daleks with, uh, with Chumblies. I mean, Phil, you alluded to this slightly earlier on. Um, Gary Russell, when he was interviewed halfway through, who I think was an executive producer here, um, said how resolute he was about not cutting any of the soundtrack yeah. and as, as you've mentioned there's a lot of scenes here and we, Adam we've discussed this about other stories as well mm. there's a lot of stuff on screen where no one speaks mm. yeah, you know exactly. and, and surely the temptation I think that other producers of animated episodes uh, have succumbed to is just to cut them cut those bits and yeah. I remember you and I well I was moaning most of the time to you I was saying oh god you know they could have taken about 15 minutes out of the entire story yeah, I know yeah. I know exactly I think it was, that, it was that bit at the end where they're, they're chasing the TARDIS crew back across the desert and when there was a little bit of a cut but no they were literally sort of like six feet behind them yeah. running yeah so that, they, you could have had a little bit of a a bit of an edit there but I think what they used to sort of fill in those gaps like the um, the drivings and the reels landed on the little sort of firefight in, in the in space mm. just to pad it out a little bit just just to show that sort of flashback which you probably couldn't have done back in the day where it was just someone yeah. sitting on set recounting the story no I agree so it swings around about yeah. isn't it um, so I, I think it's the argument whether or not you know you have uh, the Ian Levine as of this world saying we need to have every single minute preserved in the animation mm. uh, and I, I just think it swings around about so I think get rid of the stuff that's boring yeah. you know take the opportunities like for the big space battles that animation affords that you wouldn't have been able to do that yeah. you know when yeah. it was actually made the other thing that both Gene and Phil mentioned having watched the live action version of episode three everybody mm. refers to that as the missing episode when actually it's the complete opposite it's the <laughs> yeah. only one that actually yeah. exists formally yeah. <laughs> the formally formally missing episode three i mean I, I have real difficulty watching animation particularly by choice when i know there is a live action alternative uh, because i do find animation the best alternative rather than the best way of watching it and I wish to save the money on animating episode three and done something I, else I tend to I would like to have the original definitely but I like to watch the entire thing as a piece and if you suddenly change medium to, to live action it takes me out of it a bit I find and particularly you start to see all the nuances you get in live action you don't get in animation then you get to the next bit and it's all gone it feels disjointed it's interesting because I'm the other way around I'm much, okay. I, I'm, I mean, with the faceless ones, the six episodes, I yep. watched that. There were three different versions available. <laughs> yeah. There was the live action bits and pieces, there was the telly snaps, and there was the animations. And I mixed up the whole lot. And I have to say, out of all three versions, I preferred the telly snaps. But I know there are very few mm. telly snaps yeah. available uh, for Galaxy 4. I think they could, maybe once the Blu ray finally comes out for this season, maybe they could do a special edit to this, which takes it down to 
45 minutes or whatever just as a, an extra version. Well, for a live action? No, 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 it's for the animation. Oh, you okay. Take the animation, you trim it down to really the bits you need. <laughs> I think there is also that the slight danger of you don't want to preserve everything in aspic, but on the other hand, it's not... 2021 style Doctor Who either Mm. so you don't want to make it fast paced like Doctor Who is now so if you do edit it down it's got to be very very carefully done to preserve not the tedium (laughs) that this is but to to preserve the pacing that they had then opposed to the pacing we have now yes this is slow compared to what Mm. was around but the programme did have a totally different type of pacing and it might look as much out of place if you tried to do it at the modern day pacing, even through cutting. I agree. Uh, I think what you're trying to say is you can't please everybody all the time, no matter what you do. And I think actually Galaxy 4 is quite a nice sweet spot. It, it, will, it will check most fans' bases. I did want to pick up on a point you made earlier as well, Jane, in terms of the fact that you know, women rule the universe in this particular <laughs> episode. And, and therefore, rather than ask you, Jane, I'm going to ask Phil, what do you think of women being in charge? I'm all for it. Especially the way those kinky boots. <laughs> Wasn't it funny, actually, because you had Stephen Taylor actually in the story making a point of, well, hey, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. and then in the interview with Peter Purvis afterwards, he basically did it. Exactly the same. <laughs> yes, and very, very nice young ladies on set, I think. Was what you were it's funny, isn't it, when you've got a fresh take, uh, as it was in 1965, it was a brand new idea. You yeah. wouldn't have had three very glamorous women who, uh, actually, who actually turned out to be the villains yeah, of the piece. Yeah, that's quite, would say, progressive for the, for the day, I don't know. What I thought was interesting though again is that how little motivation they had at the end for their actions you know really they were just being obstreperous yeah they were almost like human daleks in it's not us we must destroy it um yeah yeah it would have been interesting to hear the history a little bit more about their planet and their origins there's only room in there to do it there was enough screen time which wasn't being used for anything much else which could have could have elaborated yeah given proper motivation Rodney is just, they're the bad guys. Yeah. Let's just talk briefly about the animation, so how this looked. And obviously the only thing we've seen as fans, live action, is a fairly cheap black and white single episodes. Now this is where I think animation can really come to the fore. It looked brilliant, yeah. I thought. Yeah, it did. It looked absolutely fantastic. I know we're talking about that, sort of getting that sort of pop art look to it, that 1960s pop art. And I think for the most, it, it really worked actually. Um, I would like to, I'm hoping there is a black and white version on, on the Blu-ray. I'm assuming, assuming there must yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Because uh, I've now seen it on kind of the big screen, I want to see it in black and white. Can you just turn your television into black and white mode? <laughs> yeah. I could do, but, but that would be too easy and I'm a Doctor Who fan, I'd choose to do it the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I, I've often wondered that on the blue, and this shows the lack of technical uh, awareness on my part certainly, but if you've got like two versions on two different discs, one black and white and one colour, I mean, is there much difference between wow. just turning your TV into black and white mode? What Gary has said at previous interviews, I think probably it's true for this one too, they, they do th- uh, 16 by 9, but they always frame it for 4 by 3. So mm. you probably find the black and white one is 4 by 3. 
So it's not just black and white, it's also got bars down the side. I'm so glad I asked now. I don't <laughs> thank you for that. And actually, you lead me on to a point. Uh, normally, uh, I, I don't quite like the, well, I don't like the technical discussions they have at the BFI at all. Uh, Mark Ayers, for me, lovely chap. Very interesting if you like that kind of stuff, but normally he bores me absolute rigid. <laughs> Whereas today, today, he didn't talk about all of the technical stuff. He seems to have taken on a new primord look as well. Long hair, long beard, he looks something straight out of Inferno. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, found, I found his comments about um, how they decide which story to animate next based on the quality of the sounds mm. uh, track available. Fascinating. It's an aspect, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was, and the fact it has some of those those, uh, the well, original recordings, recordings yeah. um, mm. tape reels. Um, they look like CD discs, but that's only because we're looking at them from a distance. Oh, no, actually, no. Yeah, and there's like absolute seasons worth on there. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting, and it's, I find it interesting as well sometimes how they don't affect the sound because there was one bit where they were running across the desert. But the audio was very obviously they were running on a studio, studio. floor. Yeah. Now there's part of me says that's the kind of audio where you could actually change that to soften it to make it sound like sand without spoiling the actual program itself because that jars me out of the reality of what I'm watching slightly. Yeah. That would have been a brilliant yeah. question to put to him actually had the opportunity because it must have crossed their minds. Yeah. The, 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 but it is interesting with the, you get so much background as well because they're not doing the animation to the actual what 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 it went out so they reinterpret it and you can tell that because there's audio sounds of equipment or stuff going on in the background this isn't even visual in the animation at all so sometimes yeah. I think they go I wonder what was supposed to have been happening <laughs> at this scene yeah um, we had uh, half an hour or thereabouts of uh, Peter Purvis yeah. being interviewed by Justin Johnson of the BFI again. Uh, Phil, you've seen Peter interviewed in the past, yes, and I've I had have, the pleasure yeah. of interviewing him. What did you think this time? I think he's fantastic, actually. I mean, it, the one thing that shot me is obviously he's got a, a, a dodgy knee now, so watch, watch him sort of <laughs> shuffle up on stage was a bit of a, a bit of a shock, actually, because last time I saw him, it was at Galley a few years ago, and. He was striding around the place. That's what I expected to see. That's always expect to see people you grow up watching. You expect to see them striding around it as they did in their youth. But obviously, age catches up with everybody, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Ironic that he's slightly less animated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's cruel. <laughs> that's cruel. But in terms of what he said. Oh yeah, I mean, he tells some fantastic stories. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> I'm glad to see he's not quite as. Um, how can I put it? So telling tales of chasing women around the set like Fraser Hines <laughs> yeah. has uh, done in the past. Um, so yeah. it's uh, no, it, it was it was really nice to see him on stage, and he's very forthright as well. Mm. Um, yeah, he doesn't sort of mince his words. If he doesn't like something, um, it will tell it tell the audience, or it will tell as he recounted the story. You know, tell yeah. the you know the, the director or the production manager, whatever it is. You know, so it's quite it's quite interesting to hear that. I thought it was good to hear such clear memories. He's, yeah. he's um, He's clearly, he has got some clear memories. Mm. And one of the questions I would have asked, I think, would have been, you know, as and when these episodes are recovered and he watches them again for the first time in 40, 50 years, does that spark any new memories for him? And I reckon it must trigger something. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. It's interesting he's been used as a consultant uh, to help with the animation. What colours were things, what things looked like? Because there are so few photos of this story. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing to have because obviously you've got Maureen O'Brien still about, and apparently they have done special features which we didn't get to see, unfortunately. But 
Besides those two, is there anybody left? Even the production mm. staff probably are pretty much gone. So in other words, yeah. Peter Purvis, when he gets a call to say what coloured dress was yeah. Vicky wearing, he probably just makes it up on the, <laughs> ba- on the basis yeah, yeah. that who's going to tell him it's wrong? Yeah, exactly. Green! Yeah. <laughs> what colour have you got available to animate? Oh yeah, definitely green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Oh, wonderful. You're right, you did mention uh, the release there a little, Adam. Mm. Um, so we know we've got a making of Galaxy 4, yep. which yep. Uh, based on our previous comments could be entire conjecture on Peter Purvis's part. <laughs> Uh, but Maureen O'Brien uh, features in that too, uh, who wasn't there today, but she did record a couple of minutes specifically for this performance. Yeah, yeah, nice to see her. Indeed. Yeah, that, that, that was a nice little bit at the beginning before the screening. Um, Maureen just sort of like said hi because she hadn't been able to make it. Uh, I have had the um, pleasure of actually meeting her many years ago at different conventions, and for a moment I did not recognise her whatsoever. Really? But wow. yeah. But uh, no, she's one of those um, actresses we don't actually see much on the fan circle. So it's no, nice to know no. that she is still interested in it. You know, yeah. she hasn't gone, oh, that's, that's my past. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, she hasn't been prolific in her no. appearances in fandom in the past, but it is nice to see the odd little snippet here and there. Yeah, so. it is. Wonderful. Well, I think then on that note, unless anyone else has anything revelatory to say, no. Lots no. of shakings no. of the head, listeners. <laughs> Lots of shakings of the head. <laughs> but it's wonderful to recall with Staggering Stories once again. Great. great to be back. Phil, always nice to see you. And you. And the both of you as well. Thank, Thank you great. very much. And uh, as, as we're recording now, we're all off to watch episode two of Flux. Will it live up to Galaxy 4? <laughs> we will let you know. I've got to re-watch episode one and figure out what the heck happened again. <laughs> you and all of us. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. I think that's working. That seems to be working. Okay. Right. Good. One, two, one, two, three. You're still practicing your counting. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, getting yeah. it now, aren't you? <laughs> Got up to three this time. Amazing, amazing rap. At least you can't kick the microphone stands on this no. occasion. Go on then, try. Kick it. Can't get my legs up that high. Very impressive, Adam. Very impressive. Anyway. Yes, hello. Excuse me. I just thought Ooh. I was going to sneeze then. <laughs> Typical. Good time. All afternoon. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? And it never happened anyway. So, sage, must be. (laughs) Welcome.